Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob. I want to thank you for listening. We have on this site over 3,400 audios featuring great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea and other lands, Bible studies of mine. Uh, you can now go to Google Play Store and the Apple Store and download the Church One app, the Church One app for sermon audio. Now, my books are on Amazon.com. You can contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com, and I hope you will, by the way. Well, I'm reading today from a book entitled The Christian in Complete Armor. It's by William Gurnall, the English Bible scholar and pastor. He died in 1679. He's talking about the girdle, as King James has it, the girdle of truth, uh, that which is covering our, in, our midsection, as it were, and keeping us protected from the enemy. He's comparing truth to sincerity. He uses the word sincerity here, truth of heart. And he says, sincerity covers the Christian's uncomeliness. First, moral truth. This kind of uprightness is like a wildflower which can grow in the waste places of nature. It may demonstrate a measure of truth in its actions, and yet it does not have a single fiber of sanctifying, saving grace. For example, God himself came in as a witness for Abimelech after he had taken Sarah. He said, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. That is, he intended no wrong toward Abraham since he did not know Sarah was his wife. While this moral honesty motivates a man to be kind in his relationships, the Lord's counsel has not changed since he directed it to Samuel, Look not on his countenance, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for Samuel 16.7. God's eye looks more deeply than man's and refuses to accept the sacrifices of this uprightness because of its two glaring defects. A, it does not grow from a renewed heart. False uprightness is like Naaman's leprosy. It says, but he was a leper. That took away his honor at court and his prowess in battle. And this stains the most noble behavior of the merely moral man in our time. But he is Christless, we would say. Like, he is a leper, he is Christless. A man's morality profits his peers in this world, but does not make him acceptable to God in the next. Think of it this way. If God had not left some authority in the conscience to restrain non-Christians within some bounds of honesty, saints would not be able to live in such a world of wild beasts. Thus, these men are led by an overpowering fear from conscience more than by an inward prompting to please God. Abimelech discovered that his honesty had come from God's restraint rather than from any real goodness within himself. Yes, God said, I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, I suffered thee not to touch her. Genesis 26. And then B, it falls short of God's glory. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The archer may lose his game by shooting short as well as by shooting wide. 
The hypocrite shoots wide, but the upright moralist shoots short. He usually takes accurate aim regarding the immediate goal of action, but always fails to touch the ultimate end. Thus a servant may be so faithful to his master that he would not cheat him out of a penny's worth of work. But it is all nothing, and for nothing, if God is left out of the story. Scripture commands servants to do service as to the Lord and not to men, that is, not only to men. The master's role is to be respected, but only as it leads to the glory of God. In pleasing his earthly master, the servant cannot sit down at the end of the journey, but must go further. As the eye skims through air and clouds to the sun, to God as the ultimate reason for his faithfulness. No principle can cause a man to aim high enough for God unless that principle has come from God himself. That you may be sincere, Philippians says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Excuse me. A soul must be planted in Christ before it can be sincere and bear fruits of righteousness to the praise of God. Thus, these fruits of righteousness are said to be by Jesus Christ. What men do by themselves, they do for themselves. They eat their own fruit, devouring the praise of what they do. Only the Christian who does everything by Christ does it all for him. He takes his nourishment from him into whom he has been grafted. And this is what makes him fruitful. Therefore, he reserves all the lovely fruit for the husbandman. Roman numeral two in this section is evangelical uprightness. Now, we had moral uprightness. Here is evangelical uprightness. Unlike moral truth, evangelical uprightness is a plant which grows only in Christ's garden, enclosed in a soul of grace. Its name distinguishes it from the wild field flower of moral uprightness. And we may also call it godly sincerity or the sincerity of God. It says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, and not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we've had our conversation in the world. That's 2 Corinthians 1.12. This evangelical sincerity may appropriately be called the sincerity of God in two respects, because it is of God and because it aims at God and ends in God. A, because it is of God. Godly sincerity belongs to God, begotten in the heart by His Spirit alone. And because this sincerity is a child of grace, it calls none on earth its father. But not only is this godly sincerity of divine descent, it is a part of the new creature which God's Spirit forms and works only in His chosen ones. It is a covenant grace. I will give them one heart, God said in Ezekiel, and I'll put a new spirit within you. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 
And then B, because it aims at God and ends in God. The highest aim a person can seek is to please God. And other disappointments and frustrations trouble him no more than it would a merchant speeding home from his voyage, loaded with the prize of gold and silver he went for, if he lost a shoestring along the way. The master's eye directs the servant's hand. Thus, if the servant can please his master's mind, he is satisfied, regardless of harsh criticism or rejection from those around him. A man like this does not aim at either small goals or great ones, to gain approval of the rich or the poor. But his thoughts single out God above all others as the object of his love and fear and joy. Like a wise archer, he directs all his efforts toward this pure goal. And when he has God's approval, he knows he has achieved the best. Paul speaks the common sense of all sincere believers concerning the Christian's purpose for serving when he said, We labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. 2 Corinthians 5.9 The world's true man is one who will not wrong another man. Some boldly remind God that they would not steal a, a dime from their neighbor. Yet these same people are thieves in far greater matters than all the money their neighbor is worth. <clears throat> they steal time from God and consistently conform the Sabbath to their personal plans instead of his. They propose to sanctify God's name and even pray often for his will, but their unholy hearts insist on compromise, <clears throat> even though they know his will <clears throat> is sanctification. But God's true man desires to be first true to the Father and then to man for his sake. For example, when Joseph's brothers feared he might deal with them brutally, he freed them from suspicion. This do, he responded, and live, for I fear God. Genesis 42:18. He reassured them, do not expect anything from me except what is right. You might think because I am a man of authority, you would have no one to intercede for you if I take advantage. But I see one who is above me infinitely higher than I seem to be above you, and I fear him. One of the Greek words for sincerity is an emphatic metaphor picturing something examined by the light of the sun. For example, when you buy cloth, you can take it out of the artificial light and hold it up to the sun. If there is the tiniest hole or flaw in the fabric, you can see it there. Truly, the godly soul looks up to heaven and wants every thought, judgment, affection, and practice to stand before the light which shines through Scripture. This is the great lamp where God has gathered all light to guide Christians as the sun in the sky directs our bodies in our earthly walk. If these agree with the word and can look on it without being put to shame, then we go on our way and nothing could stop us. But if any one of them shuns the light of the word, as Adam tried to hide from God, then we are at journey's end. Things are true or right as they agree with their first principle. When a measure agrees with the legal standard, such as the meter or leader, then it is true. 
Now God's will is standard to our will, and the sincere person will rule and measure all his desires by it. Thus David was called a man after God's own heart, because he carried the sculpture and image of God's heart within his spirit, as it is engraved on the seal of the word. Let us now consider what this belt of sincerity covers. The belt of sincerity, the King James, the girdle of truth. This is the belt of sincerity. He's going to talk next time about the uncomeliness which sincerity covers. What's that belt on there to cover? We'll talk about it next time. Thank you again for being here, and I recommend that you get a hold of this book, The Christian in Complete Armor. It's in three volumes. It's a modernized abridgment of the Puritan classic by Gurnall. Now, it's, I call it an abridgment, as they do, but it's a lot of, lot of book, three, three whole volumes. And let me see, looks like almost 400 pages in each volume. So it's an abridgment, but uh, it's still a lot to read. I hope you'll get a hold of it, seriously. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and Lord willing, we do get to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.